What's up guys, Rick here with your preview for the match. That's right, Brooks versus Bryson, 12 holes, heavyweight bout at the win here in Las Vegas. And I'm going to take you through the format, the course, the golfers, everything you need to know in preparation for this event, which is going to be Friday, the day after American Thanksgiving. I know we have listeners from all over the world. On Friday, this match will take place. Uh, there's going to be plenty of content moving forward. I know that we had the last full field event at the RSM Classic. Congratulations to all the Gooch backers out there. I know there was plenty of us. Congratulations. I'm thrilled. And uh, we've got a Hero World Challenge next week. Lots of golf to be played and lots of content coming your way. So if you do not mind, hit the like button. Make sure you are subscribed. That is all I ask from you. Let's jump into the match. Let's start with the format. What do we know? We know it's 12 holes. This is the first time we've had a match that was not full 18 holes. It's seemingly going to be match play, but we know that times there are wrinkles that are thrown into these things that come up kind of last minute. Now, whether that is a one club challenge on a specific hole or whatever else the producers can throw at these guys, uh, for what we know right now is that this is straight up match play for 12 holes. I also know that there are four Uh, closest to the pins and a long drive challenge. Most books are offering both golfers at minus 110 while DraftKings has moved Bryson DeChambeau to the favorite at minus 120 to Brooks Kepka's even money plus 100. So that's your betting status. We'll talk about which side is probably the better side, but the thing that is really going to be showcased in a big way this week is the course. The Win Golf Club uh, here in Las Vegas is phenomenal. I played it a couple of weeks ago. It is fascinating for a lot of reasons, especially for match play. Let me take you on a deep dive of this beautiful golf course. Believe it or not, this is a, this is a photo I took myself. How cool is that? Anyway, this course is it's a tree lines course. It was originally built in 2005. It is a Tom Fazio design. And in recent years, they actually considered getting rid of this course. Uh, it's really one of the few golf courses that are truly on the strip, right? If you look at the Las Vegas strip, there's not a lot of, of, of room. I'll show you that in just one second, but there's really only a couple of courses that are truly on the strip. And this is one of them, but it doesn't feel like you're on the strip. You're kind of set back behind uh, the wind and uh, each hole is seemingly kind of excluded from another. Uh, the, the, the pine, uh, pine, not pine cones, but the, um, the pines underneath the trees, kind of the dirt outlines, uh, the trees themselves. That's the, the biggest defense, I think, around this beautiful, beautiful property, but I don't think the pros are going to have too much uh, of an issue navigating it. Now, what you will also see is that um, recently when they kind of decided, hey, should we keep this course? What should we do? There was another redesign in 2019. So less than uh, basically about this time in 2019. So basically two full years uh, since the redesign where Tom Fazio came in with his son, redesigned the place. Um, They've added this beautiful waterfall for the 18th hole. I'll show you that right now. This is the, the new 18th hole. That is obviously a man-made waterfall. You actually drive through it, the back end of it. There are, there are windows in there on 18. Uh, this used to be a par four. So if you're looking at the scorecard and you're seeing 18 being a par four, you're looking at an old scorecard. It needs to be the par three version. There are now six of them, six par threes. That's really the main feature. The, the thing about uh, this golf course that really stands out is the six par threes. 
the four par fives, which leaves what? Eight par fours. Now the fun thing, because you are in Vegas, uh, you can win a lot of money if you make a hole in one on 18. So the way that they do this is it depends on what tee you're at. Uh, the forward tees, I think pay $10,000 if you make an ace. I think the middle tees are 15,000 and the back tees are 20,000. If you zoom in on this photo here, whose ball is that about five feet away? That's mine. Looked good the whole way. I did not hole it. Also, I did not make that putt, but we'll just forget that that that, that happened. Um, but a really beautiful golf course. I want to show you some of the other aesthetics around this place so you can get a kind of vibe for it before they show this on television. This here is 17 green. Uh, you can't really see it, but to the right of this is a water hazard. I'll show you that in a second. It plays back towards the Palazzo and back towards kind of the, the hotels and the strip, which is a really uh, kind of jarring dynamic to kind of see that that view uh, right behind a green as you're hitting into it. It's a really beautiful hole. Look at some of the bunkering here. Those, those hard edges, those hard lines around the bunkers. I'm not going to say anything is... Augusta-esque, but my goodness, the the vibes that this place gives, everything is meticulous. Uh, This looks like this could be a wallpaper. I literally took this with my iPhone. So a really, really great outline that I'll show you from a top-down view. And I think we're in for a a real treat this week when they show this on television. Now, this might be hard to tell, but here is the Google Maps satellite view. This is literally the strip right here. You can see, you know, the Venetian, you can see the Cosmopolitan, you can see Resorts World. That's new. As we zoom in here, you'll see this is the wind Las Vegas and right behind the wind. Yeah, this square plot of land, that's the golf course. So you can see that's really the only that and maybe Bally High, I would count as truly on the strip. You get Las Vegas Country Club a block or two off Las Vegas National, uh, you know, a couple blocks inward, but it's a really fun little treat. And what you'll actually note is that there is such little space back here. As you can imagine, the, 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 the value of this, this plot of land, uh, so valuable that there is not a driving range here. So this is actually where you go to hit balls right here. It's just, uh, like 30 yards of turf. You hit into a net. That is how you warm up. I imagine for Brooks and Bryson, they're going to set up a hole so that they can, um, hit driver on, but you'll see there are a lot of water features. There's this this uh, river, I guess you'd call it, or maybe a creek, maybe that's a better term for it, that really runs throughout the course. It, it outlines a lot of greens and fairways, so there is a little bit of trouble that you can get into out on probably about half the holes on this golf course, but you can see very distinct lining between the trees, uh, the pine needles, the cart paths, each hole um, while they run parallel and while you can hit it into, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hit it into one hole and, and play my way back, uh, to the other. Uh, I think these guys will likely be contained within most of these holes. And let me show you the routing because the routing is fascinating for this week. I have no idea what they're going to do, but I'll show you what I, what I would do if I were them. Okay, so this right here is the standard routing. Here's number one. It's a dogleg to the right. Then you play a par three. That's number two. Uh, number three, very long hole with with water, a creek uh, closing in, pinching in up by the green. And then four, that same uh, that same creek works it works its way around just right by the tee box. Um, then you go to five. That's another par three. So we've already played two par threes in the first five holes. We're nowhere near done. Uh, six, that five is probably the shortest par three. 
uh, maybe 12, but five might be the shortest par three, six dog leg, right? Seven might be the most beautiful par three, um, which is it's, it's set back. You feel like you are just, um, you're nowhere near the strip. You're very secluded on the tee box. You have to carry the whole thing. The whole thing is water, right? So this is the outline of the green right here. You've got to cover the whole darn thing. It's probably the most, be- I think it's the most beautiful hole on the golf course. Then eight gives you just a long bang away option. Nine, same thing going back the other way. And then 10 is a par three. So here's your notice. This is not your standard uh, nine holes out to the cl- uh, from the clubhouse, uh, nine back in. No room for that here. So your halfway house is actually kind of over here on the on the the what would that be the the eastern side of the property. Ten is a long par three, uh, and then eleven brings you back down here. I believe that's a five. Twelve is another par three. Thirteen's long. Fourteen's fine. Fifteen's interesting. I'll tell you about 15 in a, just in a second, but it's a very, very short, straight par par four. Very short, short and straight. And then 16, 17, 18, those are always fun. 16, kind of back up the hill, slight dog leg, right? 17, I showed you the picture of. You play back towards this kind of rotunda, and there is uh, water on the right-hand side. That is That will come into play for these guys. Depending on where the tees are, this could be a great match play hole. Uh, and you could see a lot of action there. And then 18 is that, that part three with the waterfall that I showed you. Now, while this is a great routing and a great course, there are a lot of problems for match play here. Uh, the best holes on the golf course, or at least two of the, maybe three, 17 and 18, you, you can't play those last if you're playing match play because you might not get to them. You know, what if somebody closes this out in nine holes? Uh, You cannot run the risk of not showing your signature holes. So I don't have any inside information on this. I am going to present a routing to you that I think would make sense, uh, knowing the course, knowing the way it's going to work, knowing that they're going to have four closest to the pins and a long drive. And I know what holes those are going to be. In fact, I can tell you that the closest to the pin holes are uh, three, six, nine and 11 and the long drive, I believe is going to be, I believe, uh, seven, I believe I'll confirm that in just one second, but let me show you my routing. Yes. Seven will be, uh, will be the long drive. So this is what I would do. I would start on one and maybe I should put these side to side so that you can see them. So I would start uh, one being 16. So I would play 16, 17, and 18 as one, two, and three. The reason for that is when this thing starts, you imagine that's when the most of the eyeballs are going to be on this event, right? If it turns into a boar fest or people tune in and it's not that exciting, they might tune out. I would show your signature holes right away and I would show them uh, and make sure that you play them or otherwise you might not get a chance to. So I would play 16, 17, and 18, one, two, and three. We hit a par three as number three, which I know that is going to be one of the closest to the pins. That's your signature hole. You play it right out of the gate. Then you go number one, you play as number four. Then you turn and play five right here down towards the south. And then you play 12 as number six. And that's your second closest to the pin. And I know three and six are closest to the pin. I know nine is the closest to the pin. I know 11 is closest to the pin. So this starts to make sense. Then I know seven is a long drive. Well, I'll give you uh, 13, that long par five to use as your long drive hole 
pretty straight. That looks like a good option for me. And then you really only have to double back kind of once here, right? Unless, unless they're going to drive these guys all over the golf course and make us wait 15 minutes in between holes or whatever for them to get to the next tee box. Uh, my routing is way better. <laughs> my routing, you know, I only have this one double back here from seven to eight. Uh, so then eight would be number six. Then you go to original hole seven, my number nine for another closest to the pin. So now I've gotten uh, two, the two most beautiful holes on the course into this routing and I've got them playing both as closest to the pin options. Uh, I, I love this. I have I have omitted uh, number 10, which is a par three. We have to cut that one. And I've omitted uh, number five as, as, as a whole. We're not playing that. So I'm going to have to cut two of the par threes here. Those are the two that I decided to cut. Um, number 10 is straight down south towards the property. Then I get a little bit freaky on 11. Because if you get to 11, if you get to this point in the match... Let's make it a little bit freaky. This is going to be a closest to the pin. I have this as number 15, which is a long, or excuse me, a short par four. Um, I will tell you, when I played this, I was pretty darn close to the green after a drive. If they put the, the, the tee box up, this would be no problem to have these guys try to drive this green. I think it would be fun. I think it would be interesting. I doubt they do it. What I, I think my routing makes too much sense. So after you'd finish 11, you'd go to 12 and then 12 ends just in the middle of the property. If you get there, right? It's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't think they'll do this because I don't think 11 will be a closest to the pin. I think it should be. I don't think it will. And I think they're just going to drive them around. Um, but I really like my routing here to take advantage of a lot of the really spectacular visual holes and how this thing could shape out, especially for, for match play purposes. Imagine getting to 11, which you know it would be a close match if you're at 11, and having that be a drivable par four. Come on. Come on. That, and you get another one at two. Like it, it, this, is, this is such a fun little setup. This is exactly how I would do it, but um, I'm sure I will be proven wrong, but I hope you enjoy the conversation. Now let's talk about our competitors here because we've got Bryson versus Brooks and um, we've seen a little bit of golf from Brooks recently, not necessarily great. And we'll dive into Bryson as well. What I'm showing you now is uh, my website, rickrungood.com. You can sign up for it. Highly encourage you to do so. One of the larger golf databases on the planet, I would imagine. So here's Brooks and his recent results. Missed the cut at Houston. Not good. Missed the cut in Mayakoba. Not good. 38th at the Summit Club. 67th at Shriners. Withdrawal. Those are his last five. We haven't had good Brooks since the Open Championship. So is this a matter of motivation or is the game not sharp? Well, since the Open Championship, he's lost strokes on approach in five of his six measured events. That is a really big red flag for me because when he's at his best and you can kind of see just that, that start, that stretch of golf before it, where he had a runner up finish at work day, a runner up the PGA championship, a fourth at the U S open, a fifth at the travelers. And then eventually the sixth place finish at the open championship. He was ball striking the heck out of it. His win in Phoenix, great approach play, great off the tee play. We are not seeing that right now. And also, um, I guess I'll just throw this little caveat in there as well. Uh, at the time of this recording, there has been a little bit of a Strixon tease video in which it appears 
that they are going to announce Brooks Kepka as a brand ambassador and he's going to be officially playing their clubs on um uh, they're going to announce that on Monday the 22nd. So that that's what it appears. So maybe he's been working through some new irons, some new clubs. I think he's been playing with those Strixon irons for at least a year anyway, so I can't imagine that's going to be a huge change, but this is this is fairly concerning for me to see the approach play recently. Now Bryson DeChambeau, while we have seen a lot of Bryson DeChambeau. It has not been on the PGA Tour. The last time we saw Bryson was the Tour Championship. Think about that. That was a couple of months ago, but he did the long drive. Uh, he's on YouTube all the time. I, look, I feel like we just see a lot of Bryson. And when you look at his metrics, um, I think there are a lot of positive takeaways. The fact that he has gained strokes off the tee every single event since the WGC workday, that is now, what, four, eight, it's like 15 events in a row, phenomenal uh, floor. And when he gets to win, I think he's going to be able to cut a lot of these off. I think he's going to be able to kind of shred these. And quite frankly, even if he doesn't, even if he's like effectively wild and he's, and he's, you, you don't want to be a little bit off. If you're a little bit off and you are in the pine needles or the trees, that's terrible. If you're way off and you're in the next fairway, no problem. Uh, no problem. So I, I don't know, except for a couple of holes where there might be a lot of trouble for Bryson. I don't, I don't think it necessarily exists. So really good off the tee play. Tee to green is great. The putter has been a little bit uh, erratic at times, but he has plenty of upside with that club. The short game around the green has been horrid, but this is a match play event. You want to be buying into like birdies and bogeys like you want that volatility right if you make pars you're not winning any holes really uh if you make a bogey or a double probably doesn't hurt you you're going to lose the hole anyway so i the, the style of golf that brooks play or that bryson plays excuse me uh is is at least very exciting in match play formats. He was successful in that way uh, at the Ryder Cup as well, right? Because you can kind of get him into some some match play situations. He can put a lot of pressure on his opponent. But this really might come down to motivation. And trying to determine any professional athlete's motivation is a fool's errand. But does Brooks care about this? Does Brooks care at all if it's not a major championship? Doesn't it feel like Bryson cares way too much about everything? everything, whether it's long drive, whether it's uh, trick shots, whether it's YouTube, he just puts 100% effort into seemingly everything. And I think that is what we are going to get again. So um, while I'm not super confident, I think one of the biggest bets I've ever made was at, um, was it the previous match or the one before? It was, it was Phil and Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley against uh, Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. I don't know if that was the last one or the one before, but that was one of the larger bets I've ever made. Comes in, wins on the side of Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley. That was a no-brainer. They were underdogs, and Phil was on the underdog team. It's craziness. But I'm not as confident in this one. Um, I, I, with only When you shorten it to 12 holes, now are you, you're getting like ultimate volatility. So while I'm not uh, going to smash this with the largest bet I've ever made, um, I will be taking the Bryson DeChambeau side at seemingly minus 110 or minus 120, uh, depending on where I want to get that. But that's the side I'm going to be on. It'll be fun. It'll be entertaining. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this little bit of a breakdown on the Win Golf Club on uh, Bryson versus Brooks. It should be fun no matter what. Let me know what you think. Tweet me, at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.